podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Yo, this is Gary Stills, and you're listening to the Raspy Voice Kids. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I Also Hate Pit, joined by... Jeremy, JMP Phoenix, I'm in the building, in the booth. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. This is the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. You are now tuned in to Pop Culture. Hit you with that pop, 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 pop. Today, Jeremy, we're going in on a full, in-depth conversation about Princess Mako of Japan. Princess Mako, for those of you who don't know, has relinquished her royal title, has left the imperial royal family of Japan, and has married a commoner. Jeremy, what do you think about this life decision? I got a couple thoughts, man. The first thing I think is get you somebody that loves you so much that they will renounce their royalty for you. 100. You would think that's love, G. Wow. Makes me think of coming to America. Would you like to, me to renounce being the Prince of Zumuna? Nah, G. That's the first thoughts. But the second thought is, uh, you know, I've lived life. And I'm not saying Princess Mako has not. I'm just saying her life may be a little different than mine. And in my li- life, I've learned, man, you better be really, really, really sure when you take this big leap of faith. I know marriage is supposed to be forever. And, and you know, hopefully it is for her. But right now, you are burning bridges. You are burning bridges right now. And you better hope he's the one. Because like Kanye said, what happens when it all falls down? (laughs) I'm serious, though. Like, you you wish that it was forever, but I don't know. You give it up a whole lot. That's why we led with the song. You got to live and learn. There's, There's this one phrase in the song that I love that says, I don't want to be the one to tell you how it's gonna be. You know what the next verse goes, Brandon? Living is the only way I'm really gonna see. Now you're gonna see living. Now, am I telling you, maybe she learns that her decision was right. Maybe she learns her decision was wrong. But here's the truth. We all have decisions to make in life. Sometimes uh, they're huge. Sometimes they're little. But in life... You live and learn, and that's what she's going to have to do. She got to live and learn. Oh, 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 oh. What were your thoughts? See, I don't feel like you. This girl has been through the ringer. Like, she's gone through it. She has, she's been diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder. So a lot of people think of PTSD as only stemming from being in war and or from being, like, in a school shooting or something traumatic like that. But there are other things that cause tra- post-traumatic stress disorder. There's basically just trauma. And being part of the royal family, in my opinion, is what causes girls trauma. Now, you look at somebody like Britney Spears, who we've talked about before. A lot of people say that she's recovering from trauma. She's a victim of PTSD. And so I don't know that leaving the spotlight, leaving the eyes of Japan is a bad thing for her. What I do know, though, Jeremy, is something I've been preaching for at least 20 years now. Now, maybe not 20. It's been 17 years now. I've been saying this for a grip. I've been telling people who would not listen. Let me meet one of these rich girls. I could have dated Princess Mako. I could have married Princess Mako. Okay. 
Britney Spears, I could have married. I told my friends that they didn't believe me. Then we see, we see the whole saga of everything with Britney Spears going from when she married Kevin Federline to what she's doing now. I could have bagged her. For all y'all who don't yeah. believe me, y'all don't have to believe me. I know. Princess Mako, she wanted him too. Now, Princess Mako's done okay for herself. She's a curator, not a curator, she's a researcher for a museum in Japan. She's got her education. Of course, she's very well educated being part of the Imperial Royal family. But she got those deficits in her confidence. And that's where I step in, son. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. What I'm hearing, coolest kid in school, you, 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 Zach Morse. But if you Zach Morris, where's your Kelly Kapowski? Okay, G. Look, it's big talk look, from a single look, look. man. Big just talk from you a single man. It. Just because you don't know about it, don't mean I don't be about it. Okay, son. Some okay. people keep it close <laughs> to the best. Okay, okay. Correct me. Correct me. All right. Excuse me. I thought this was a wild story. I don't know about wild story. I don't know all the ins and outs. All I know is this is a big decision that's going to affect her life. Hopefully, it's for the better. But like I said, you live and learn. Show live and learn. We all do. Get at us, RVK. How do you feel about the subject? Holla at your boys. Rack me, boys. You guys, our partners at Symbol have a brand new offering that we are really excited about. A quick reminder that you probably already know. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000 plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure to use the promo code RASPY12, R-A-S-P-Y-12, for a money back guarantee. Yes, you heard that right. Symbol is offering a money-back guarantee to all of the listeners for our show. That money-back guarantee means even if you lose money in the first 90 days, Symbol will will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Visit www.symbol.com and use the promo code RASPY12 and your deposit will have a money-back guarantee up to $500. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams today. Big 12 fans, and for your home for men's and women's basketball, come to Midwest Madness. We are doing game coverages, going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. You know what that music means. And we got it for you. We got them answers for you. I've got five on it. Jay Fiend. Jay and Fiend has five on it. I also hate Pitt, Brandon Phoenix, Kid B Smooth, whatever you want to call him. He got five on it. And Jordan Tyker is going to ask us these questions. Get at us. Hello, Raspy Voice Nation, and welcome back to another edition of I Got Five on It with the Raspy Voice Kids. Here we fill in blanks that are prompted by Jeremy and Brandon for me to read off because I know nothing about sports. I'm just here for the voice. And let's get things started with the first blank. 
The bad calls in the Iowa State game were blank. Typical. Par for the course. However you want to describe what happens every single game in the Big 12 is what I would describe or how I would describe the Iowa State game. The play call, the game, the, the officiating calls were not good. They were not good for WVU and they were not good against WVU. Iowa State has a right to complain, but so does West Virginia. That Bryce Ford Wheaton pass interference, terrible. I'm not sure. Um, I do, one call that I do want to talk about though, in particular, we can talk about it more during the roundup. Brock roundup. Purdy was, Brock Purdy was short on that third down. And we'll get into it. We'll get into a couple of different plays that happened during the Iowa State game that we could talk about more. But for me, um, the Iowa, the bad calls in the Iowa State game were um, a win. That's all I need to know. They were a win. What happened in our column? The W column got a, a plus one. The the minus column didn't add any. It was a win. Listen to my roundup because I got strong feelings about this one. Number two. Wyatt Milam having eight knockdowns was blank. Zach Frazier-esque. Why do I say Zach Frazier? Because both, both Wyatt and both Zach are from the Mountain State. They're both were freshmen. Zach is now a sophomore, but as a freshman, was an All-American. Wyatt Milam coming into his own as a juggernaut, as a freshman. Now, is he the best player on that offensive line? Definitely not, not yet. But he's a man, and he's growing into a man. And we had to experience growing pains during the Maryland game and other games. But Wyatt Milam is doing his thing as a freshman. Zach Frazier-esque. Amen. Wyatt Milam having eight knockdowns was proof of in-state talent. There's some people who uh, disparage Mountaineer talent, West Virginia talent in the state to be in, to be enough to win the Big 12. And no, we have not won the Big 12 yet. But in a game like that, to show up like that, that's all the proof I need. We got ball players. Biggest thing, protect this border. Let's go. Number three. I now feel blank about WVU potentially going to the ACC. I feel indifferent about WVU potentially going to the ACC. For one, I don't believe that it's a done deal. I don't believe it's even close. People who pretend like they know don't know anything. But even if it was a done deal or one way or the other, I feel indifferent because the new Big 12 has given me hope. And the college football playoff has also given me hope. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, I feel like I don't feel. I don't feel about I don't feel anything about that now. And in the beginning, I was thinking, oh, this is this is the ship that's going down. We got to get off it. And now I haven't even thought about the ACC in weeks. I really haven't. With the teams coming in in the it's funny to say now the way we're playing, um, actually, both sides of it, whether we're playing bad or playing well, I just I don't think about the ACC right now. Like if it happens, it happens. I'm done. I'm, I'm maxed out. I don't care right now. If we go great, if we don't go great, but uh, indifference is a great word because I don't really feel, I don't really think about them. Number four, losing Nick Troy Fortune and Michael Laughlin will have blank impact for us. It will have a major impact. I know a lot of people are happy about Charles Woods and the way the defense is played in general, but the problem with losing Nick Troy Fortune is that we don't have any depth, Jeremy. We lost Drayshawn Miller. We lost uh, Nick Troy Fortune now. We've lost other players to injury or transfer, and our secondary is very thin. 
were very thin in the secondary. So you got to get the boys off the field for one. When you're playing defense, a lot of three and outs will be very helpful to this Mountaineer defense and offense for that matter. And number two, um, it's just a morale thing, knowing that you don't have anybody behind you. It can be good or bad. We'll see how it goes. As far as Michael Laughlin, that is not a good loss. It's terrible. He only got to play in four games this year, his senior year. Hopefully, he'll be able to get a medical redshirt if that's what he wants. But TJ Banks balled. TJ Banks balled. He was the number one rated overall player as far as pro football focus grades are concerned for the Mountaineers on Saturday. I don't think we lose that much when we lose Michael Laughlin, even though it hurts. I think, I think it has a moderate impact on our team. These are good players. But I think that you mentioned a TJ Banks step up and they're using an offensive lineman also to play that kind of like the tight end spot, more of a blocking on blocking downs to come in um, to play will be big for us. Um, losing Nick, uh, Nick Troy Fortune, um, Charles Woods showed he could play ball. He was a junior college All-American. I think he was All-American. But either way, he was a good player. And and, and they already said that Daryl Porter Jr. is the best coverage guy. Now, depth is a big thing that you're talking about. But what I reason why I say moderate, I don't think it's a loss like when we lost Drayvon Askew-Henry at safety. I don't think it's a loss like when we lost Carl Joseph. I don't think it's a loss like we, when we lost David Long Jr. for the year. Those were non-replaceable players for us. These guys are affecting our depth. And they are, are are really good players, but I feel like we have people who can step into those roles. Now, it does affect our depth. I think it's moderate. I don't think it's major. I don't think it's minor. I'm not trying to minimize it, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as losing some of those stars that we have in the past. Number five, the CFP got it blank in their initial rankings. They got it close. I'm not telling you that Bama should be the number two team. I'm not telling you that Cincinnati does not deserve to be in the playoff per se. What I'm telling you is they got it close. I'm okay with the way things shook out for now. The thing we know is that at the end of the season, they can do whatever they want. The playoff has set it up exactly how they like. I don't know why people get so upset, why they're so out of, out of sorts about what the college football playoff does and their week one poll, or not their week one poll, but their first poll. This was close to the way it should be. I agree, man. They got it in the ball game, in the ballpark. It's close. I don't think it's 100% accurate. We'll talk about it in the roundup, but they got it close. Looking at it now, there's a lot of weeks to go and never has the first initial rankings ended up being the final four that were in the uh, in the actual final four. But I think they got it pretty close. There's one thing I have a big beef with, and we are going to talk about it. So make sure you stick around for the roundup. But that is it for I got five on it. Up next is the roundup. And if you think we had feelings about and, and I got five on it, no, we just gave you our tidbits. Wait till we can really, really get into it. Actually, it's not even called the roundup. I'm sitting here fronting. It's called I'm going in. It's a new segment I'm calling in. It's not really a new segment because we do the same thing as a roundup. We have a new name, some new music, but get at us. Listen to us. It's going down and I'm going to go hard. Rap me, boys. Your home for everything Kansas Jayhawks is the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Metz, and every week we run through the most important stories for all your favorite Kansas programs, whether it's football, soccer, or tennis, volleyball, or basketball, 
baseball and softball, or any other Jayhawk competition, we have it. We have game previews and recaps, interviews with coaches and others close to the team, and analysis from those who pay close attention to all of these programs. You can find us by searching for Rock Chalk Podcast on your favorite platform, so start listening today. Gridiron Metalworks is our new sponsor for the Raspy Voice Kids for the RBK. We are now working with Gridiron Metalworks. It's the perfect gift for the hard to shop for. Metal home goods that are made for college super fans. You can find collegiate branded grills, grates, and griddles, and or flower pots, stainless steel bookends, and coasters, even can coolers, all in actual school colors. Not just the, oh, it's close, like other manufacturers do. It's a gift that you can almost guarantee someone doesn't have. It's high quality and made in the USA. Also, there's free shipping on all orders over $100. Go to www.gridironmetal.com. Use the code RASPY12 and you can jump in on the benefits. Gridiron Metal Works, making things that you want, that you need. I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. And I'm going to go hard, and I'm going to go hard, and I'm going to go hard, and I'm going to go hard. I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in, I'm going in. And I'm going to go hard, and I'm going to go hard. And I'm going to go hard. And I'm going to go hard. That's right. It's your boy, Jeremy J.N. Phoenix. I'm here with my brother, Brandon Phoenix. I also hate Pitt. Kid be smooth. We are here to go in on the Mountaineers. And what we saw against Iowa State, we came up big. We played ball two games in a row. TCU, maybe you said they had a porous defense. Against Iowa State, we showed them what was really, really, really good and what true Mountaineers look like. There is so much to get into, so much exciting, uh, excuse me, excitement. And we're also going to look on to Oklahoma State. But first things first, Brandon. What you got about the Iowa State game, man? What do you actually? You know what? I'm not even talking about the Iowa State game because because we kind of did that in the recap, and we can filter that filter that in and out with us. My biggest thing is after the game, after we won, I've seen so many Iowa State fans saying that they got screwed over, that they was bad call after bad call, and that's why West Virginia won. What do you think? I think they have a point of contention. They have a gripe. They can complain. I'm not sure that Brees Hall scored on that fumble in the end zone. I know that once they called it a fumble, there was no way to overturn it. There was no good angle. That's how I feel about it. I know the funny that Bryce... Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know. I, I'm not sure that Bryce Ford Wheaton got a foot down in the end zone on that spectacular catch. If you were to ask me under oath and put me, if my family's going to die if I get it wrong, I would tell you he did not get a foot down. If you ask me, though, about Brock Purdy on third down, he did not get that first down. His knee was down, short of the line of game, without question. The pass interference against Bryce Ford Wheaton was terrible. One of the worst calls I've seen in the Big 12 history. In our history in the Big 12, I should say. What I will say more than anything else, though, is this is the way the game is played. The Big 12 refs have a Twitter account called Big 12 refs. That's how bad they are. There's a parody account about them. You don't have any ACC refs or Big Ten refs or SEC refs parody accounts. It's just Big 12 refs because everybody knows they're terrible. And as Philip Slavin said from the 1012 Network, shout out to the 1012 Network, which we are a part of. Like Philip Slavin said on their podcast, re- recapping the whole weekend, Iowa State played bad. They did not play good football. You know how I know they didn't play good football, Jeremy? How? 
For the first eight weeks, they had not given up more than 350 yards in a game. That was a record, or tied for a record, in the Big 12. They gave up nearly 500 yards of offense to Jared Deggy and the Mountaineers. That is not on the referees. That is on Matt Campbell and that defense, Iowa State Cyclone defense. So I don't want to hear the complaints. We have been screwed millions of times by referees. And you just have to take it because nobody cares. And I don't care. A win is a win. A loss is a loss. We won the game. Get over it. The truth is, Brandon, and I'm going to be 100% real and very, very sincere about this. And I'm talking to you, Iowa State fans, Big 12 Network, anybody who else, please be honest with me, be honest with the RVK, be honest with JN Fien, and let me know what it is that I'm doing that makes me, that makes you think that I care. If you got ripped off, you feel copy <laughs> over Dave Chappelle name and, and bad calls are happening to your team. I feel like it brings us all a little bit closer because I, now I actually get a real good look at how you felt when it was happening to us because I don't care either. I don't care. A win is a win is a win. You got the audacity, the nerve to even fix your mouth to talk about bad calls in the Big 12 when you're talking to West Virginia? We've been treated like an outsider the entire time, not only in football, but in basketball. First of all, I'm going to say there were bad calls both ways. There was ridiculous. The pass interference on, what was it, Bryce Ford Wheaton? Have you lost your mind? But I'm not even talking about that. I don't care. You didn't care when it was happening to us. You didn't feel sorry for us when it was happening to us. It happens. It's part of the game. Hey, wait from your, hey, you know what you need to do? Sit back and wait for your uh, letter that makes you feel better from the Big 12 saying they got it wrong. I don't care. It's a win for us. Suck it up, buttercup. I don't care. I don't care. Woo. Jeremy, do you care? <laughs> <laughs> I'm all out of cares to give. I'm all I'm all I'm fresh out of, out of cares. I'm fresh out of cares, man. Don't come in here whining on Twitter. Get out of here. All right, next subject. What are we talking Brock, about now? No, Brock, no, Brocktober. Get out of here. The man Look, is still man. 19 and 3 in October in his yes, career. 0 and 1 in his last games against West Virginia. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you better see me next year, son. Check your He's tongue. He's not going to. He's gone. Use your inside voice, Iowa State. Whew. Brandon, another thing, you kind of talked about our offense against, against Iowa State. Do you want to expound on that, or is that all you had? No, that was all I had, really. I just thought it was amazing. I mean, if, if we're talking about the West Virginia angle, this is two games in a row where we've had nearly 500 yards of offense. Philip Slavin said, again, I'm going to shout him out. Five or once is it, it, it happens. Twice, maybe it's a coincidence. If we do it three times going in against Oklahoma State, who has a stout defense, well, now we've got a pattern. And that's something I can get behind. Yeah, well, the, close, the big thing is you're talking about a pattern, two games in a row playing well. So now we're going to come into this, the, you know, what is, what's a conspiracy theory, the little whispers that we're hearing. And I know you're hearing them, too. They're talking about uh, on Twitter and on social media how Neil Brown may not be calling the play calls. We've heard that from a few people. What do you think about this 
if it is true, them hiding that he's not the man calling the play calls now. Well, from multiple sources that I that I trust and respect, Mike Casaza, Chris Anderson, I respect those guys. Um, Voice of Morgantown said it too. They said it early. Got to give them credit. Neil Brown is almost definitely not calling the plays anymore. And it's not because of the product. It's just by demeanor. Like one of the things said is that he's not talking when the plays are being called in. So that's a good sign. He's not calling the play. <laughs> he's not saying anything. So it's almost definite that he's not calling the plays anymore. What I think is I love it. If he's moving more to a CEO role, I love it. How many coaches call their own plays and are successful? Nick Saban doesn't call the defense. Nick Saban has a philosophy about what he wants to do on offense and defense. And then his coaches carry that out. He makes calls about big things. He's involved in the process, but he's not doing, he's not micromanaging everything. And that's something Neil Brown had to learn. And if he's learned that, I love it. And I agree. But more than learning, it's about winning, and we're winning right now. I don't understand what the big deal is. Like, if he's not calling plays, he's not calling plays. What's the big deal about coming the big out and deal saying it? Is, the big deal is, and this is something I've thought about. Neil Brown, in my opinion, comes with the all shucks, good old boy. I'm just a nice guy. Neil Brown has an edge to him. And Neil pride. Brown has an ego to him. P-R-I-D-E. Yes, he's got pride and ego, like any successful coach or player that has ever existed in sports. and. It's not, I'm not acting like it's too big and it's not, I'm not acting like he's Kanye West. I'm not acting like that. But other than if, if it wasn't for that, he would say, in my opinion, I'm not calling the plays anymore. I've decided to delegate that responsibility. Um, the reason he's not saying it, some speculation is that he doesn't want to give Oklahoma State or any other future opponents the ability to study the play calling of whoever is calling the play at this point. Um, but like Hassaza and Anderson said, Whoever's calling the place probably doesn't have that much experience calling plays, so there's probably not that much of a book on him. There's probably not much film on him. So I think it's more ego and pride than anything else. And I'm okay with it because whatever, as long as we're winning. But let's not get it twisted. This is who Neil Brown is. All right, man. It works for me. You got an offensive coordinator that you're not paying like an offensive coordinator. Also an offensive coordinator who's doing a great job uh, scoring touchdowns, scoring points on an elite defense like Iowa State. And uh, you don't have to worry about mentioning him, so nobody's going to come poach him. This is a win-win for everybody, except for the guy actually calling plays. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Win-win-win. So now, Brandon, we're, we've tied it up. We're 4-4. Four and four. We started out 2-4. and four, Won the last two games against quality opponents. At least one was a quality opponent. Yeah, one was a quality opponent. T- TCU's butt. It leads us to the question, are you happy about what's going on? Or does this make you look back and be disappointed about what we could have achieved? I've decided that I'm happy about where we are. And the reason I'm happy about where we are is because this team was not what this team is where the coaches thought they could be, but not necessarily where they should have been at the beginning of the season. What I mean is the offensive line doesn't start any seniors. So we've got guys who are young guys who are new to the program, like Doug Nestor. Um, freshmen like Wyatt Milam, even a sophomore like Zach Frazier, who have taken time to put the pieces together. And more than anything, offensive line is a, is a team sport. It's got to dance together. It's a lot of choreography and a lot of nastiness combined. And now that Doug Nestor has both hands, now that Wyatt Milam has some experience, the offensive line is living up to what we expected before the season started. Mike Gundy said he believes it's the best offensive line in the Big 12, according wow. to the last month of football. That's what Mike Gundy said. So 
I feel different because that changes everything for Jared Dagey. Jared Dagey's ratings when he has a clean pocket are astronomical compared to when he has any pressure. That's because Jared Dagey is not mobile. He's not John Elway. He's not Steve Young. He's not Pat White. He's not even Garrett Green when it comes to moving his feet and getting out of the way of pressure when there is pressure. So if you keep him clean, he can do things like he did this time, which is being the third highest rated quarterback in all of college football, earning him the Campbell Award this past week. So I'm okay with where we are. I've decided, I decided a few years ago, I don't remember how many years it's been now, but I decided, and it changed my whole perspective as a fan, and it changed my whole mental health, to instead of looking at a season, starting out believing we're going to win a national title, and then dropping my hopes to a conference championship, and then dropping my hopes to a bowl game, I've decided to just enjoy each game for what it is. Each game is its own game, and I enjoy it for what it is. And when I do that, do you feel like you, I don't hold up, hold up. Do you really do you really feel like you've done that, though? I'm not saying I'm perfect at it, but I'm better at it than I ever okay. have been. <laughs> I hear the philosophy, but I've listened to some podcasts, my friend. <laughs> I will say I did not think we were going to win a national championship this year. I did not think we were going to contend for a Big 12 championship this year. I thought we would win nine games. And if you look at this team the way it is now, they, this team would beat Maryland and Texas Tech if we played them again. You know, um, what? the way I feel is woulda, coulda, shoulda. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Am I disappointed or happy? Like, you could be happy we're 4-4 four and four and we beat a great Iowa State team and we have the potential to continue it on against Oklahoma State. Or you could be de- de- depressed about thinking about the games we could have won. You know why I feel? I'm all out of disappointment. I felt that. I've been disappointed. When we were 2-4, and four, I was very disappointed. I've been in misery. I've been in pain. Now that things are going the right way, I just can't go back to it because I've, I've used it all up. I had no expectation. Now that we're rebounding, I can't look at the past, man. You don't look at the rear view mirror the whole time you're driving. And I know that's an optimistic thing to think, but when you've won two straight and you're two and you're four and four and you beat a good Iowa state team, I can't think about what the woulda, coulda, shouldas because I've already used up. My brain have already used up all my emotion on that. So now I'm just enjoying it and I'm getting hyped for Oklahoma state. It's not just that we've won the last two, it's how we've won the last two. And I'm not even getting hyped. I'm not even getting that hype for Oklahoma State because the state of Oklahoma has owned us. Has owned us. I believe it's been seven straight seasons or six straight seasons since we've beaten a team from the state of Oklahoma. All right, so we'll, so we got to it now. You think we win? We didn't do this. I got all five, got five on it. Usually we do. We give our predictions. We are 0 for 2 for the last two weeks because we both picked TCU and Iowa State to beat West Virginia even though we were joking. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you think we beat the Cowboys this weekend, Brandon? I do not. I don't think so. The Cowboys have some injuries, but they have a stout defense, and Gundy just has our number, just like we have TCU's number and had Gary Patterson's number. Yeah. How Matt well, Wells and Texas Tech had Neil Brown's number. I don't think we get the win, and I think that's okay. I think we have too many injuries in the secondary. Um, and I think we get brought back down to earth a little bit. The good thing is we're not favorite. So it gives us more of a chance than what I anticipated. Um, but I don't think we get it done. Now I'm gonna let you figure out whether I'm trying to hedge my bets or this is the way I really feel. Who really knows? But the last two weeks have picked against West Virginia and we've won. And they always say stick to what's working. Yeah. So no, we're going to lose against Oklahoma State. <laughs> yeah. I'm, do- I'm doing this for y'all, Mountaineer Nation. I'm doing this for the fans. Do I really feel this way or am I hedging my bets? Who knows? But uh, Oklahoma State beats us. I think it'll be a close game. I say we lose something like 26, 
I don't know, 24-16. 24-16, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys. And if we win, wink, wink, you know why I did this. On to the college football rankings, Brandon. The initial ones were released. The rankings go like this. I'm going to go one through six. And it's important for me to get that number six in there. Number one, the Georgia Bulldogs. No question, no complaint. They are outright number one, deserve to be outright number one. And they're looking like a juggernaut. Number two, Roll Tide, King Saban and the boys. Number three, Michigan State, Sparty, East Lansing. Number four, the Oregon Ducks. Number five, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And number six, the Cincinnati Bearcats. What do you think about those top six? Um, do you, do you, where's your beef? Where's your beef with, these, with this poll? My beef, I don't have a beef with this poll. I told you they got it close. They got it close. If I was going to tell you a team that I know for sure is not going to be there in the final rankings, it's Mel Tucker and the Michigan State Spartans. They are not finishing the season in the college football playoff top four. They're going to lose to Ohio State. They're probably going to lose bad. That Ohio State offense is arguably the best in Ohio State history, according to TJ Tillman, an Ohio State aficionado, and also according to my eyes. They put out 50 points pretty much every time they show up. Even against Penn State, they put up 35 points. This team is legit. Michigan State, in my opinion, is not. They were down 37 to 14. I believe it was 37 to 14 to Michigan, who I also don't think is that good. I don't think Michigan's bad. They're better than they have been. Um, and that's a good win. And I'm okay with Michigan State being where they are for now. But if at the end, they're not going to be there. The other beef I have is that Cincinnati, to me, it, Cincinnati might be the sixth best team in the country. They might be, but they're not a playoff team. They're not. I shouldn't even say they're not a playoff team. I should say more than anything. They're not the best team in the country. They're not a national championship team. They would get smoked by Georgia, who beat them last year, and Georgia is much better this year. Who wouldn't get smoked by Georgia? We'll see what Alabama does, and we'll see, and I would like, and I know that's blasphemy coming from me, but I'm just telling you, I would like to see that matchup. Here's my question. Here's the thing I have the biggest beef with. I was going to say, I was going to say, with Cincinnati, my thing with Cincinnati is Cincinnati doesn't play anybody. They beat Notre Dame on the road. Okay, congrats. And I'll give them that credit because that's what they've done so far. But the problem I have with that is Notre Dame went to overtime with Florida State, who is terrible. I don't think Notre Dame's that good. I think they benefit from playing against the ACC, which is but, which is what we're going to talk about when we talk about expansion. But I just don't think Cincinnati is, I don't, people complaining about Cincinnati getting left out to me are crazy. This is not like when TCU got left out. No, no, no. I, I, I disagree with you so hard. I don't mind with them being left out of the top four. That's fine. Georgia, Bama, Michigan State, Oregon, you put them in, that's fine with me. How in the world is Ohio State ahead of Cincinnati? How in uh, the world? Their only, now, losses, gonna... their only losses to Oregon. Okay. And that was they're... before they changed their entire defense. Yeah, that's what they, I've heard multiple that's people what, say. That's what they always hey, say. Uh, is, is you change your defense, but I've you heard play a bunch of nobodies. I've seen multiple people say they've never seen a team change schematically what they do defensively. That's what they say. Brandon, that's, what they, that's what they always say. Brandon, you think it helped that they played Tulsa, Akron, Rutgers, Maryland, and Indiana? They, okay. You think that what helped a little bit? What about Cincinnati playing Tulane and Navy? Are you kidding me, Listen, They listen barely him, beat listen, Navy. Barely listen, beat Navy. Let, let me put, first of all, Oklahoma a few years ago when they went to the Final Four, barely beat Navy. And the reason why is because Navy possesses the ball for so long on their drives, you only get a few offensive possessions. 
So if they can control the ball for that long, Navy's been a hard out for other teams, even good or bad, if they can possess the ball because they take away your offensive possessions. The biggest thing with me is Cincinnati. If you look at two best wins, Ohio State's best win in the year was their first game of the year where they beat number 20 Minnesota. Cincinnati's best win is against number nine. Now, you could say it'll change later on because of strength of schedule, whatever, whatever. But as it stands right now, because of, BC, because of college football playoff was ranking this week, Cincinnati has a win at number nine, Notre Dame. And Ohio State's biggest win was at number uh, 20, Minnesota. On top of that, Ohio State has a loss. Now you look at the other people on Ohio State's schedule. Ohio State played Tulsa, garbage. Akron, garbage. Rutgers, garbage. Maryland, garbage. Indiana, eh. And Penn State, who's a good team but still has three losses. Ohio State hasn't played anybody else. And the time they did play a team, they lost. They have a loss. Their best win is against Minnesota. Right now, as it speaks, Cincinnati, granted, their, their schedule is garbage too. Miami of Ohio, uh, Murray State. They beat that same Indiana team. Temple, UCF, who's, I'll give credit to, Navy, not that great. Tulane, not that great. But they do have a win against Notre Dame. So the difference is, Cincinnati has a better win than Ohio State, having the Notre Dame number nine team, and they don't have a loss. Now, I can see at the end of the year, you jump in Ohio State for Cincinnati. But today on the first release, there is no way the Buckeyes should be ahead of Cincinnati based on the schedule, based on Based on such a strength of schedule, teams that you've beat, there's no way that Ohio State's ahead of Cincinnati. Now, I'm not getting too hung up on it because it'll it'll fix itself. Everything will work out the way it should. That's how it normally does nine times out of ten. But right now, I don't understand how the CFP puts Ohio State above Cincinnati when Cincinnati has the better win by 11 spots and doesn't have a loss. Do you want to hear what the BCS would have been? The simulated BCS would have been at this point? Uh... Yeah, go ahead. I didn't even think about the BCS. Hey, hey, throwback for you. Go ahead. Number six, Ohio State. Number five, Michigan State. Number four, Alabama. Number three, Oklahoma. Number two, Cincinnati. And number one, Georgia. It's very clear the BCS rankings, the computer rankings, put a high premium on zero losses. But Brandon, they beat the number nine team in the country. I agree. You made a lot so, of sense so, with that. Po- you made a lot of sense so with let's that. Point. Say, let, so would you put? Would say, you put? Would you put Cincinnati number two? No, 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 no. I'm not putting them number two. That's all I'm saying. I'm My only beef was, the, like I said, I think the CFP got it pretty much right. Other than five and six, Cincinnati needs to be ahead of Ohio State. I don't mind Oregon being up there because they have a huge one against Ohio State. Michigan State's undefeated. Big one against Michigan. Bama drops a close one in a game to Texas A&M, who's now ranked. Um, I, I don't mind those. I do mind Cincinnati being behind Ohio State. But it is what it is. Like I said, it'll work itself out. Yep. Lastly, man, do you even want to talk about the expansion? Do you want to talk about the ACC yeah, expansion? Yeah, I want to talk about the expansion. One, there are dudes talking about WVU going to ACC being a lock. They don't know what they're talking about. There are dudes saying the ACC will only accept West Virginia if Notre Dame comes. Well, that tells you all you need to know. Notre Dame will not join the ACC, period, ever. Not going to happen, just so we're all clear. And and us being tied to them has nothing to do with it. Like, Notre Dame doesn't care. What does Notre Dame care about us? Why do they care about us? They don't. There's no benefit to them. There's no 
historic reason for them to do it. There's no in-state reason for them to do it. There's no legislative reason for them to do it. And there's certainly no financial or athletic reason for them to do it. They're not joining the ACC and they're not doing it. And they're certainly not doing it because of us. But even more important than all of that, Jeremy, what is the ACC? Look at the ACC when Clemson and Florida State are having a down year. You've got Wake Forest and Pitt leading the way. The ACC, really? Are we sitting here pretending like the ACC is that much of a juggernaut? It's clear they're the worst Power 5 team in the nation right now. Power 5 conference in the nation right now. And this is what it would be if Dabo ever left Clemson. And if Florida State can't find their bearing. So my thing is, I don't even care about joining them. I think the Big 12 does fine, even with its reconstruction, with the teams they've added. The Big 12 is fine. And it's very winnable for West Virginia on occasion, like once every four to five years, uh, maybe more often. Um, And the ACC would be too. And I would prefer it geographically so that I could go to games more conveniently. But I'm not hung up on it like I was in the past. No, I got you. I'm not hung up on it either. And that's a big thing. Granted, maybe it's a, it's a sideways move as in how powerful the conference is, even though they have current uh, recent national champions, uh, which the Big 12 has until Oklahoma, Texas leave. Um, so I get what you're saying. But the big thing for me is with the ACC, we get to go to Pittsburgh. We get to go to Virginia Tech. We get to go, you know, down to North Carolina and 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 travel those roads to the tobacco roads to watch our team play that are a lot closer than the Big 12. But the truth is, I feel like you do, man. I just don't care about it anymore. I'm tired of it. If it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, great. I just have no more emotion to put into it, especially something that doesn't seem imminent. If something's going on right now, we could be more invested. But like we don't nobody knows. Nobody knows except for the special insiders who have special sources. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That really know what's going on. Let me just say this one thing about Jared Dagey. Jared Dagey has played really well uh, last game. Jared Dagey has put up some phenomenal stats um, passing yards wise in the Big 12. I believe he's leader, leading that or, or, or close to leading that. I'm not ta- trying to take away from Dagey. I think Dagey, I've said this all year, Dagey's great 20 yards and in. I feel like he makes good decisions. Granted, he threw a pick six, but usually 20 yards in, in, he's pretty good. But I will also say, as devil's advocate, he's also thrown seven interceptions. 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions. So those getting on the high horse about Deggy after one game, it's so funny that people can get on their high horse about Deggy after one game and say, what are you thinking? Oh, oh, now who do you not want here? As if they don't remember all the other games of the year. Yep. One game, I agree. one game exonerates somebody, but six games doesn't condemn them. You tell me how that makes sense. I'm not saying I'm against Jared Daggy. I'm just saying one game does not exonerate somebody. Two so, games doesn't either. Two games doesn't either. Like I said, you have plenty of other things to look at and reference where things haven't been exactly right. So get off off your high horse. Hey, look, I get I get it. You're feeling good. You're happy about where, where these games that we've won. Do it. Be happy. I'm going to be happy. I'm excited for Oklahoma State. But just, you know, pump your brakes a little bit when you want to go a little too far coming at people. Because I, I heard somebody, um, I was talking to them, and, and they wanted, oh, what are all these daggy hitters now? Oh, Neil Brown. And you say this to us as if we weren't two and four at one point in year three. As if I was making up stuff to be mad at. No, we weren't playing well. And yes, we are now. So, yes, you were right to continue trusting, but don't act like I didn't have a reason to to sit there and take a pause and think, is this really the guy? Is this really the quarterback when we were two and four? I'm just saying have some perspective and pump your brakes. 
But that's it. That's all we got, man. We went in. We went hard. Let us know. Get at us. RVK. Sports Social Podcast Network.